0: I don't think my resume or portfolio is good enough. I guess I can't apply for the job. So many people ask me how to know when their resume or portfolio is ready. And the truth is, it will never be ready if you don't change your perspective and the bar you've set for yourself. By the end of today's episode, you'll have the tools needed to know when your resume or portfolio is ready. Now, I want to ask you a question is it possible that your resume or portfolio isn't ready because of the bar you've set for yourself? What I mean is that so many UX candidates have come to me with one goal in mind, perfect. They fear that to stand out, their resume and portfolio must be perfect. But in this quest for perfect, they pass on applying to lots of awesome job opportunities, because they're too busy rewriting or redesigning their resume or portfolio again and again, largely based off some resume trends maybe they found or perfect portfolio template that they saw on social media. The thing is, there is so much noise out there that just when you think your resume or portfolio is ready, guess what? You're probably going to stumble across some new piece of information and think, oh, wait, I better do that too, and then I'll be ready. And this cycle never ends. So instead of focusing on perfect, I want you to think of your resume and portfolio as products. And just like we have minimum viable products, I really invite you to use this reframe when you think about your resume and your portfolio. What does a minimum viable portfolio look like? What is a minimum viable resume look like? So we'll get into those details in a little bit, but I'm going to let you in on a secret. After seeing thousands of resumes and portfolios in the hiring I've done and with the career coaching I do in Career Strategy Lab, I can assure you that the bar to stand out is low. So many candidates have very, very poor quality portfolios and resumes, and I'm not just talking the design, I'm talking content also. But the good news, it is possible to get hired with a good enough version. But the thing is, you won't know unless you start applying. So back to the topic for today how to stop worrying your resume and portfolio aren't good enough once and for all. All right, there's two things to consider. The first thing is to make sure they are actually good enough. So chances are you are probably focusing on the wrong details and you'll know after you hear the rest of this episode, but you're probably messing around with fonts and colors or rewriting sentences for days on end. And my team and I have critiqued literally thousands of resumes and portfolios at this point. And I thought it would be useful to share the top three mistakes we see for each of these career assets. So let's start with resume. And by resume, I mean your human friendly resume. I believe you should have two versions, one for people and one for the ATS, which we'll have to talk about another time. So mistake number one, don't try to make your resume only be one page. Doing this will likely result in you only scratching the surface of your experience and selling yourself short. Think about it. If you try and smush it all onto one page, you're probably not getting into the details or you're using a 10 point font, which is pretty impossible to read. All right. Mistake number two, don't start the bullet points in the work experience section with vague statements like I was responsible for, You do not want this section to sound like a job description of responsibilities. So instead, the bullet points need to convey not just what you did, but how you did it and what happened. To achieve this, start each bullet point with an action verb and then explain how you did it. So for example, if maybe you're a UX researcher don't have a bullet point that just says, I was responsible for usability testing. That leaves a lot of questions, right? What type of testing? At what scale? With whom? And what happened? How did it go? So a more thorough bullet point might read, decreased time to order on the mobile app by 29% after conducting 25 remote usability tests on the checkout and collaborating with two designers to streamline the checkout flow. Much better, right? Okay, mistake number three is don't over-design or under-design your resume. So your resume is not a chance to get all cute with design and have all kinds of wild fonts and icons and design elements sprinkled all over. You don't want the design of your resume to literally distract the reader from the content. And on the other hand, though, you need to apply some design to your resume to ensure that it is easily skimmed and scanned by the user. By design, I mean, you need to be more mindful with your font type, size and style choices. You need to be consistent with font sizes and use Headings to draw attention to different sections of your resume. And for the bullet points in your work section, please, I am begging you, put space between each bullet. If you don't do this, your bullet points are going to look like a giant wall of text, which is really hard to read. So put space in between each bullet point and I promise it will make it far easier for people to skim and scan so they can get some of that information that you took so much time to write. All right, so next up, portfolio. Three mistakes and I want to just caveat this in saying I'm talking about a portfolio as a PDF portfolio for the purposes of our discussion today. Maybe we'll get into PDF versus website another time. All right, number one. Don't skip context. I cannot emphasize this enough. So similar to the bullet points on your resume, don't just say or show what you did. You need to explain the how, the why, and the what happened. So for example, don't just put, let's say, a journey map in your portfolio with no explanation tell me about what the journey map is so I have context about the project and why this journey map was so important or how it helped inform decisions that came next. Mistake number two is don't just show screenshots. Instead, focus on flows and journeys. So many portfolios are filled with screenshots of designs or Figma files that just show tons of little tiny screens. And it is far more powerful to go into the details of a few select screens than to show me how many screens you made and all the little prototyping arrows that connect them all, right? So here's a tip. Show your screens in terms of flows or journeys. Don't just show me, say, one page or screen of the checkout. Show me more of the whole user flow of the checkout flow and annotate the screens, meaning call out certain parts of them so that I, the person likely looking at this for the first time, has a clue about what I'm looking at. And in addition to annotating the screens, you should label them so that people know what screen this is. Otherwise, I will not appreciate or understand the bits and pieces of the interface that are likely a big part of the product. Mistake number three is don't write your portfolio like you're writing answers to a UX exam. I see this mistake all the time where a lot of people include definitions of terminology and processes. Now let's think about this. The reader of your portfolio doesn't want to read, next we did research to understand the user. Like they know that, they know what research is for. So instead, tell us about the research, why you did the research, why you decided to use a certain research method, how you conducted the research and what you learned from the research and maybe how that research informed product decisions. And side note, If you studied UX at a college, university, or boot camp, I want you to be very, very careful if you're trying to reuse presentations you made for your coursework, because chances are you may have written like this in your course presentations, but the audience has changed. The audience of those presentations is not the same audience as the recruiters and hiring managers who might hire you. Okay. Those are the mistakes that we see in portfolios and resumes. Now I want to give you one more tip to help you figure out if your resume and portfolio is good enough. So here it is, get someone who knows what they're talking about to give you feedback. So every day, I see posts on LinkedIn and elsewhere, messages in my own inbox from people who literally just send a message and say, here's my portfolio, what do you think? And I just want to scream because the act of getting feedback is not just asking for feedback. It's about being mindful about who you ask and what you ask. So if you ask random people on the internet, you're probably gonna get a lot of random feedback. So before you ask someone for feedback, you really need to consider what qualifies that person you're asking to give you quality feedback. For example, has that person ever been involved in hiring? Or maybe did they recently get hired themselves? Or if there's some type of coach What types of testimonials and success stories do they have? Because let's face it, there are a lot of people out there who are creating a ton of content about resumes, portfolios, etc. But that doesn't mean that all their advice works or frankly is true. After you identify a better person to ask for feedback, you have to come up with a better ask. Here's what I mean. Don't just say, what do you think of my resume? Instead, be more specific with your questions. If you're concerned about the clarity of certain sections, ask them to focus on that. And be sure to tell them the types of roles you plan to apply to in the future so they can have that context. And if you have a job description for a role you're eyeing, then include that too. This step of getting feedback is so crucial for the success of your resume Or portfolio you have been working on it for so long and you're a little bit blind to probably things that could be easy tweaks that you're just overlooking at this point so if you've never had someone do a critique of your resume or portfolio before don't be shy it is such an opportunity to gather feedback and improve things that maybe you've overlooked Getting a critique of your resume or portfolio is just like doing usability testing on a product. And remember back to the earlier in this episode where I said you need to think of your resume and portfolio as a product. All right, I know today's episode was packed. So today I'm gonna do something a little bit different and give you some homework to help you with your resume and portfolio. So if you're up for it, here's what I want you to do next. Number one, I want you to set aside time to re-listen to this episode so you can use the mistakes and solutions I gave you to help you make some tweaks to your resume or portfolio. And after you do that, then identify two quality people who you could ask to review your resume or portfolio. Remember, though, the quality of the person you ask will impact the quality of the feedback you receive. So don't just put an SOS out on LinkedIn or Twitter. Be really intentional about who you ask and ask them for feedback about specific things. Don't just say, what do you think? All right, I'm Sarah Duty, founder and CEO of Career Strategy Lab. And I hope today's tips have helped you identify how you can get unstuck with your portfolio and resume and get it to a place where they're good enough so you can start applying for jobs sooner. If this content has been helpful, I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a review, a like, a comment, or share this with someone who you think could find some value in it. You are always welcome to learn more about Career Strategy Lab or apply at careerstrategylab.com. And if you want to learn more about everything related to the UX job search, you can find tons of information over on my blog at careerstrategylab.com or on my YouTube page, my Twitter, my Instagram, or you can search for my name on LinkedIn. I hope this was helpful and that you have a wonderful rest of your day and I will talk to you soon.